Good morning, good afternoon, good night. However you're watching, wherever you're watching, however you're listening, wherever you're listening, it is the Bet Online Salute Detroit podcast. We got a full squad here today, and today is a Thursday, and we got a special guest for you guys. We got the one and only USC, Nico. Nico, thank you for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and, and talk shop with you guys. Yeah, and, thanks for uh, joining. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks coach. for coming. No, I was I was actually about to throw it to you. You were before you were kind of quiet, so I just want to make sure you're all right. You you okay? <laughs> I'm great. Fantastic. Okay. It's been a uh, it's been a busy day in the LA sports landscape. You know, you had, we had Harbaugh's presser at one. During mm-hmm. the presser, the Rams announced Chris Schuler's a new DC. During that announcement, Cliff Kingsbury gets hired by the Raiders as their OC. During that announcement, more rumors about Chip Kelly taking interviews with the Raiders and now linked to the Commanders. So all of our L.A. teams love to compete with each other for for media shine. (laughs) But as always, USC runs supreme. So happy to be with the four or the three of you. Nico, great to great to meet you officially and and really love all the stuff you do. So great to talk with you. And it's gonna be fun. And I love the nice uh, ambiance you got. Very uh aesthetically pleasing behind you it's fun shui shui. he has some nice yeah it's fun shui i'll (laughs) I'll give that to my my fiance she picked out everything and i just said yes and i guess gave the credit card smart man smart man (laughs) that vacuum i bet you that vacuum that dyson was number one on the list because i have one of those and i'm not even allowed to use it in my house not even allowed to use it (laughs) madman yeah oh you got Mm. german shepherd i'm sorry let me cut you off no no no, go ahead go ahead ahead. matt madman How's What's up, brother? Great to great to have you. Uh, you know, see you guys and and Nico. Great to have you as as one of the the big you know super fans on Twitter. So it's a pleasure to to have you on the show and and get an opportunity to get to know you better. And yeah, I just second the the beautifully minimalist aesthetic in the background. Uh, your fiance seems to have great taste. So uh, excited to jump in uh, with all of you guys. There you go. So. We, as we do normal, I figured out why. I'm like, dang, we haven't talked in a long time, and I'm like, because we took Tuesday off. We weren't, we weren't, we didn't record on Tuesday. Partially my fault, but I'm like, and we haven't really been texting. Off, off. Considering I was watching Big Bang, I, I mean, I was started. ready. Coach. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> I know you sent me, you sent me the text, and I was watching Big Bang Theory before we started. And then next thing you know, I looked at my phone. It was three o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh man. <laughs> so I definitely messed that one up. But that's what I'm like. And we haven't really been texting, but we're, we're probably prepping for the Singer Bowl, which we'll get into later. But Nico, it's a pleasure to have you. Let's start off with this. I want to kick this question to you. What brought what? What drew you in to the USC allure? Uh, so, I mean, first and foremost, it's just being born in L.A. Um, I kind of grew up in the era of the Lakers with Kobe and Shaq and how they kind of dominated the screen. And then at the same time, we had the Reggie Bush and Matt Leonard years and all that. And um, I think my, my grandpa went to USC back in uh, early 80s. And I've had five family members that went to USC um, and I just grew up around it. I was a little kid that was out on the South lawn uh, throwing around the football with, a, with basically any kid that you could find out there. Um, so just grew up around SC, uh, followed it. And um, I've always, I had a, another Twitter account that I would just kind of follow 
uh, what some people were talking about. And I just decided it's probably about two years ago now to just make my own and not even really have any idea of what I wanted to do with it, but I just wanted to interact with people, um, spread good news and just kind of learn as much as I could about the football team and, and the university. I, I'm, I'm a, I just want to say this now that we kind of been through all the super fans, I'm disappointed, especially you and arrogant nation, because I made a push to be the DC and tag both of you guys in there. You guys didn't <laughs> show me any love. <laughs> they want to win coach. Okay. They want to I win. Think, all right? I could give them the win. I mean, just give me on the board. I Where, weren't you part of the 07 team? I was, uh, I was part of the 06 team, 07, 08, 09. Okay, yeah. So we had, we had defense then. I mean, yeah, you could know, have, you could have pushed for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially with that staff, all I got to do is just walk around and make sure they're doing the right thing. I mean, it would be great. Exactly. So, Nico, yeah. did you go to USC? I did not. I am actually the only person in my family's, uh, in this generation, my family that didn't go to college, um, uh, to the disappointment of my parents, but, Doing just fine otherwise, but um, I think if I did go to college, I would have gone to USC, um, but just decided not to. Got into business early in life. What was that? Just to follow up, like, uh, because I'm just curious, did you kind of start your own company, or was it a mentor that you followed, or what was the the reasoning there? Yeah, I actually. So, told you guys where I grew up, but at the age of 17, I told my parents, um, I, I'm just, I was totally different and kind of out there. I started up the business at 17, moved out to Houston actually, and lived there for two years, um, at 17 and then lived there until I was 19 and then moved back home. And then that's when I started to get into the, the real estate industry with uh, family out here and, uh, just took that and started running with it self-made love there it. you go if you need a broker let and, me know my brother's a broker he's a mortgage broker so if you need one let me know hey yeah send, send my contact <laughs> i will I'll let me know we get there. so so nico um i know jamal asked this one so i won't ask this one i'll ask this one i'll ask this instead so jamal could the moment one jamal you get the moment one i want to ask you this one <laughs> what is your favorite usc team besides the 06 07 and 018 <laughs> so first 06 07 no i'm just kidding um i mean i i feel like it's just the, the prototypical answer um i mean most everybody would say the 04 team just because you have reggie and matt liner and those are the big stars and pete carroll um but i would even say the 03 team because the 03 team was a team that came to la and we had nothing i mean we were booty in 2000 2001 um no one wanted to come here um and Pete Carroll was USC's fourth or fifth choice and Pete Carroll just kind of rallied the team together, put some good units together. And we ended up winning a good bowl game that put us on the map, which led us to the, to the Matt liner years. Yeah. So the O three team was the, um, the orange bowl team, right? Mm-hmm. No, no. The O three team was split. Oh, no, uh, it was O two team, 03, right? Oh, the, the Carson team. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was probably yeah, 03, 03 orange bowl, but O two season. I yeah. was get confused with the O two O three and the O three O four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ryan, Jamal, you guys got anything for Nico? Go ahead, Jamal. Yeah, sure. Well, Nico, just, you know, now that you've really been a, an authority, honestly, on, on USC news and the trends and what's been happening moving forward, just give us your state of the union of, of USC football going into, you know, this 2024 spring and the 2024 season. How do you feel about the roster? How do you feel about the coaching? How do you feel about Lincoln? How do you feel about 
um, you know, just the prospects for the year? Yeah. So I, I think I, my Twitter, some of my Twitter followers know that I'm a little bit of a, of a jacked up person. I can be a, a little bit more optimistic than, than some, um, but I'm also a realist. Uh, Lincoln Riley, I think when we first hired Lincoln, pretty sure if you asked a hundred people, a hundred people would have raised their hands straight up and said that we got the best coach that we could have hired. Uh, and then we had that great season. And then this year we had the downfall. And in the middle of the season, people started to kind of question what was going on, especially with Alex Grinch. Um, it felt like some of the players weren't really excited. Um, and then all of a sudden we put together this defensive coaching staff. Um, and USC football right now, I think, is just pure excitement. Uh, but I think we have to really think about the long-term plan. And I know we're going to get into the NIL uh, but right now, I'm excited about USC football, but I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, we're heading into the Big Ten, and we're going to have some games um, in the Big House and going to Ohio State uh, in the future uh, seasons. So in Penn State, so we're going to have to work hard to compete with those guys again. Nico, was it you that put up the? Tr- no, that might have been Arrogant Nation that put up the Nebraska USC rivalry. That wasn't you, right? Uh, no, I, I think that was, uh, that the, the photo that was pretty funny. Yeah. That, that rivalry, that rivalry can't happen. That will be the lamest rivalry ever. I, I love the, Penn, yeah. I, I love the Penn state people, rivalry. Yeah. And people talk about the Michigan state rivalry. I, I, I don't buy that either. I'm not Michigan state. I mean, I want, I want our rivalries to be Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, all the teams that played in all the Rose bowls, West coast versus the Midwest. Uh, for the past hundred years, that's who I want our rivals rivals to be. Well, yeah, speaking definitely. of rivalries, let me ask you this then, because you know Alex Grinch hired by Wisconsin, and just today <laughs> they slapped on the co DC title, <laughs> which is hilarious. But I don't know if it'll ever be a a a actual like school rivalry between like the players and staff. But I think fan base, I think a lot of USC fans probably already see Wisconsin now as a rivalry. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I wouldn't really say year. yes, and I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say it's a rivalry, but I don't know if you guys noticed. I uh, probably two or three days ago, I put out a prediction of our way too early 2024 schedule, and I actually gave us a loss against that team simply because of Alex Grinch. And I know USC fandom, um, I guess, hates a strong word, but they strongly dislike him and put all the blame on Alex Grinch. But he knows Lincoln Riley like the back of his hands. I mean, their kids play together practically every single day after practice. So I'll be interested to see what he knows about our team still and if we're, we can overcome that. And I'm hoping naturally that our defensive staff, our new defense staff, defensive staff could overcome that. Yeah, but Alex Grinch can't stop a nosebleed even if you gave him a picture, so. I'm not too worried about that one. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. We'll <laughs> see. We'll see. Yeah, a meltdown in LA if SC loses to Wisconsin. See, oh. that's what I'm saying. And that's where my realist part comes in. I people say, Oh, we're going twelve and oh, we're going twelve and oh. It's pump the brakes. Let's you know, let's talk about this. Let's you know, let's actually get some recruits signed on and, and build a culture before we talk about that. Yeah, I don't, it's a very I, good point, Nico. It's there is a familiarity element, right? It's you got to take the success out of it. But if you are very familiar with the coach day to day, and we see it in a lot of different sports where a certain coach just has another coach's number just because of of that familiarity element, so it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't see undefeated either. Undefeated is kind of tough 
undefeated is kind of tough because they're still in a rebuild. So I don't see undefeated, but I do see more successful than we were last year. I, I could say that. I'm not going to put a number on it because when you put a number on it, then all of a sudden you're wrong. Like, see, I told you. So I won't really put a number on it, but I do see us being better than last year. Um, I do see us low end playoff. 10, I'll even go 8 through 12 making the playoff. But I don't know how deep the run will go into the playoff. Say, I, I would say that much. If that that's more, that's a real optimistic approach I have about that. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think obviously if, if we're put at twelve and we have to play that Georgia or that Alabama team, if if DeBoer can put them together, you know, that's a challenge in itself. Um, yeah, but I would be again cautiously optimistic. We have a very tough schedule. We're lucky because we have a bye before Michigan, and Michigan is going through their new coaching overhauls and and whatnot, so they have their own challenges. So who knows? Maybe Michigan has a little bit of a blunder and we can knock them off, but we're also playing Penn State. We're playing Wisconsin. We're playing a lot of teams that are stacked, and they have rosters that are two, three deep at each position. So, you know, who who knows where where we'll end up. Yeah, so rolling into that, speaking of recruiting, this past weekend – was a very big day for USC. And it's kind of interesting to me because um, junior day is like a normal thing, but this was like a very anticipated. This has probably been the most hyped up junior day that I've ever heard mm-hmm. about in a very long time. Like I went to junior day. Like when I went to junior day, it was pro day. They made it like a big deal. It was pro day. Everybody's running their forties and everything. I went to multiple junior days. I even went to junior day at US, uh, UCLA, Jamal. So like, it's uh, a, no, <laughs> it's a it's a come it's a come on. It used to be, I should put it like this. It used to be if you were on the board, you got invited. I think things have changed now, but this has been the most talked about junior day that I've heard in a long time, and it's because of the expectations that we have for USC. But there were a lot of big names there, and you were like one of the ones putting out all the information, letting everybody know what was there. What was your take and what do you think the result of that junior day is? So, again, I think this is a result of the coaching staff. Um, we have we, we put together a coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball that, frankly, could be head coaches at – I mean, they were head coaches at other programs and now they're position coaches at USC. So, I mean, we have coaches from uh, – I think – DeAnton Lynn was obviously from Baltimore. Uh, Doug, Doug Belk was over from Bama. He's our secondary coach. Matt uh, Entz uh, was, is from the Midwest. Uh, Eric Henderson, uh, we, got, we had coaches that, from the South. So I think Lincoln Riley's strategy in hiring these coaches was we, have, we basically can go from the Midwest to the South, East Coast, West Coast, and we know – these uh, and we'll be able to pitch to these kids personally. We these coaches probably even know the name of the streets that these kids grow up on. So, and, and having these coaches come from the NFL, um, being able to preach to these kids that not only can you come to USC, but we have an established coach, uh, coach, coaches here that know how to put you in the league. So, we're starting to get these not just the four and five star wide receivers and the running backs. Uh, and the QB is visiting, but we're having defense alignment, uh, uh, DNs, uh, middle linebackers, cornerbacks, uh, positions that we really need that are four and five stars that have multiple scholarships from Alabama, Georgia, Florida, you name it. Uh, they're starting to recognize that USC is being serious about defense in the trenches. 
uh, and we're starting to entice a lot of those players over to us. And I think that is the biggest thing uh, that USC can go after right now. Yeah, that, if I can jump in, I, I think that's a really good point because we've, me, Jamal, and Al have talked a ton about, you know, the pedigree of these coaches and, uh, you know, their prowess. But I, we haven't really talked a lot about kind of their, um, like where they hail from, if you will. So the, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of the map and, you know, Ants being that true Midwest guy with North Dakota State for so, so many years. And D'Anton Lynn is kind of the, has been all over with Baltimore and then now in LA. John Nua. Yeah, Sean Nua, obviously, with, with Deep Roots. And then Belk in the South, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. And Coach Henney, you know, went to Memphis, got drafted by Cincinnati, played for the Bengals in the league, and then has been in L.A. now for, you know, five-plus years with the Chargers and Rams. So he's kind of an L.A. entity. So I think that's a really good point of, you know, having that nuance of, of just location, too, not just pedigree. Um, putting you on the spot a little bit, and if if you don't have anyone particular, don't don't feel like you need to answer, but – of the kind of list, you know, you see some of these these backers and D linemen and, and guys that came in. Was there any names or any specific players where you're like, ooh, that's a really intriguing visit? So I actually took a screenshot of this. Uh, and this is, this is what excites me. We have a kid, uh, Jared Smith, who was supposed to go to Florida next week, who canceled his visit to go to Florida uh, and decided to come and he's deciding to come to USC next mm-hmm. week. So that's just one of the players, but I mean, we're talking offensive tackles, guards, we're in multiple instances of where we're enticing these players to come visit USC. It doesn't mean obviously that they're going to commit to USC, but we're enticing them, taking them away from other programs that have great NIL opportunities that are big names. And we're bringing them back to USC. So to me, that's the utmost important thing. Well, we know Florida's NIL really isn't that great <laughs> with all that yeah. stuff coming <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're also dealing with Texas A&M and I think uh, Georgia and obviously we'll get into to the NIL talk, but Oregon, a lot of schools that are just dumping money at these players, there's going to be regulation sooner or later. So I think that's where Lincoln Riley and Jen Cohen are taking their time and establishing it properly so we can – make sure we're getting recruits for the proper reason and not just because we're going to hand them a duffel bag of money. Yeah. So Nico, real quick, it, I, um, you, you had all the sources. You're, you're, you're pretty good. You're pretty resourceful. How many of these kids were from, how many of these kids were from California? I won't even just say Southern California. Cause when I played, we had kids from the Bay. How many kids were after junior day? About half. That's actually a yeah, good number. Half. That's a it good is. number. And- so, and, and I'm sure you guys notice this too. You'll go online and say, why aren't we recruiting uh, uh, St. John Bosco? Why aren't we recruiting modern day? Why aren't we getting these guys? Why, why aren't we at the practices? We are now. I mean, we had three kids uh, just this past week, not three kids, three players this past week that visited USC from modern day. So again, we're starting to create that traction. We have players from Florida, uh, Georgia, uh, I think we even had a kid, if I'm not mistaken, from Kentucky. Like we're we're enticing kids from everywhere now to to come check out USC. So, uh, I mean, sky's the limit, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing that. And frankly, we should have been doing that the day that LR stepped on campus. But you know, we had our our issues <laughs> to go through in our development. I think half is a good number. I think half of California, then you go national. Yeah. I think that's a good number. That's a good I mean, I, I wouldn't, I don't have an opinion one way or another. I, I think it's not the old days. You can't just recruit in your own state and expect to win championships. 
um, you have to really, you really do have to go everywhere. And I think again, with hiring the coaches that we did um, from all around the country, I think on part of that was part of Lincoln Riley's plan was so he could develop those relationships with players and those geographical areas and, and have them come take visits at SC. Jamal, you had a question. Go ahead. I'll show you. Yeah, answer. no, Nico, just segueing to everyone's favorite three-letter word, uh, NIL, and, and looking at the future. What is your take on USC's NIL program? I know you alluded to it. It just seems like the Wild West right now, a lot of, no, a lot of money required to be successful in this unregulated world. Ryan, coach, we, we've had a lot of conversations. You probably need something on the order of 15 plus million a year to be competitive uh, at, at an upper echelon level, which is a huge sum of money when you talk about recurring uh, giving to, to a program, when you talk about it from sort of an endowment standpoint and taking a percentage. These are very large numbers for things that are not they, they don't scale over time. It's not an endowed chair. It's not re- research for cancer. It's not social justice. Um, and so as a result of that, it seems like the schools that have totally prioritized football as part of their society, as part of their culture, are, are racing out in front right now. How do you see SC play? Obviously, a, a lot of deep pockets. But as the university dynamics are changing, the demographics are changing, um, in terms of kind of the mega donors, how do you see USC's NIL moving forward? Yeah, so I, you mentioned the number of 15 million. I kind of want to hit that. I heard through the grapevine, who knows if it's accurate or not, but I, I heard that Ohio State gave as much as 13 million for just seven transfers. So, I mean, we're, we're realistically competing with the big boys who we expect to compete with. $15 million is a starting number. Who yeah. knows how much Oregon is giving? Who knows what Georgia is doing? I mean, Georgia is as quiet as anybody. They could be giving players $5 million, uh, as a lump sum, or they could be giving $20, 25000000 million. Who knows? Um, but USC specifically, especially with all the sanctions that we went through, I think uh, our AD and Lincoln Riley are being very specific about how they're approaching it. The worst thing that could happen for USC and why it took – such a long time to get us in the position we're in now is because the last thing they want is the NCAA prying into USC football. And that's the last thing that USC fans want. Cause if you go on Twitter and you, and you see NCAA investigating USC, everybody's going to throw their hands in the air and say, that's it. Lincoln Riley's leaving town. Everybody's going to be hating on us again. So, I mean, we have people like Rick Caruso. Um, and I, I know you mentioned it on your last week's podcast, uh, coach hell, uh, Oregon has Phil Knight. You said USC has five Phil Knights, and we do. But dumping and a specific amount of resources and money into, frankly, 17 to 22-year-old kids that may or may not pan out is extremely risky. You don't know their character. Um, you don't know where they're coming from, their background. So I think USC starting slowly is probably beneficial. And from the outside looking in, it hurts because you see all these other universities locking up major athletes. Uh, but I think as time goes on and with the coaching staff, which we discussed being able to pitch to these kids, the future that they can have uh, along with the benefits of NIL and being at a school like USC is going to be beneficial over time. So I, I, I think the slow play and 
And I, and I I never knew where I actually stood on it. And I knew they had to pay to play. And that's where the game is. And I knew we have the people. And like Jamal alludes to it all the time. We have the people, but they need to see our ROI. And what's the ROI? But mm-hmm. I think now when you look at it and you look at like what's going on with Florida, what's going on with Tennessee, what's going on, uh, players mm-hmm. coming out from Texas A&M saying something. And then now you said something popped before the show, something just popped with Iowa. And, Iowa, yeah. And then you just, then you just mentioned it. You don't want, we don't want the NCAA prying at anything with USC for a very long time. I think the slow play now looking at it, hindsight being 2020 and, I mean, people who gamble, who gamble, they're always they always have hindsight. Oh man, I should have played this bet instead. And if you do like gambling on sports, you could go to bet. You could go to underdogfantasy.com, put in promo code USCLAFB and get a hundred dollar match. Get all your fantasy needs going if you want to spend a little bit of money on any type of sports. But neither here nor there said. I think the slow play now, looking at it in hindsight, I don't think it's over. And I think us like, let's see how this actually washes out and then we'll jump on the game. It's kind of like the best comparison I could give you is like the EV vehicle world right now. Everybody let Tesla push all their push their stuff out and let Tesla control the market for like the first five years and let Tesla have all the problems. Now, all these cars are rolling out with their EVs like, all right, well, we know this is an issue with Tesla. Let's fix it. Let's make it better. Let's make it better. I think eventually SC is going to conquer the NIL or not conquer it, but they'll be one of the best at NIL. It won't be flawless, but they'll have a great program down and they'll have a great system down and it'll make recruiting much, much easier until the next next issue arises. Who knows what will come up next with recruiting with the <laughs> way things change. But I think the slow play now, looking at it in hindsight, especially with all these violations coming up, I think this them slow playing it right now is perfect. Like and then there's no panic mm-hmm. because you just had a you just had one of the best junior days you had in a very long time, right? You got guys out on the road recruiting. You got dudes who are who are ready to commit and they're about USC now. So I think the patience might be the best way to go about it. What do you guys think? Let's kick it to Jamal. What do you think, Jamal? I see that look in your face. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I hear both of you guys. It's sort of the fast follower strategy. I, I get it. I, I don't know if ever in the history of college football, the fast follower has been rewarded, right? I mean, and so even if you do get the, a sanction slap on the wrist, obviously USC was unprecedented, so I I'm, I can appreciate not wanting to go down that road again because the the NCAA's you know love for USC is such that if they were able to kind of sink their teeth into this program one more time I don't think uh, you know it could even be the death penalty on the table there's that much of a distaste for USC so I appreciate the conservatism but at the same time just waiting for sort of market dynamics to play out at the end of the day you know you're going to have to give a certain amount of compensation. What does regulation mean in this context? It means you're either going to have certain windows, even more controlled windows for the transfer portal. You're going to have certain caps on how much you can pay each player. So there's only a certain amount of knobs you can turn in terms of regulation. I think it'd be nice to see more of what the vision is moving forward. Uh, Because at the end of the day, I, I agree with both of you guys. USC does have five, six, eight, Phil Knight's. But Phil Knight is very unique in that sports is his business. And so in that regard, 
I'm not sure there is really an equivalent within the USC Board of Trustees to a Phil Knight, $41 billion net worth off of Nike and in the business, in the incentivized business of promoting, uh, you know, his program, his alma mater. So I, I, I can see kind of both sides of the story, but I think there's probably an opportunity for a little bit more vision. My one concern, my one flag is I hope Jen Cohen isn't spending too many calories on the new football facility at the expense of thinking about nil, because I think in this day and age, I don't know if a football facility is going to be the needle mover in terms of recruit attraction uh, that it was 10, 12 years ago. I think now at this stage, these guys want to get paid and want playing time. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think that when you look at a lot of the violations and I haven't like dug deep into like the reports or whatnot, but um, I think a lot of it stems into paying high school kids before they're even in the recruiting process. And the interesting thing is, is like, for instance, the state of Georgia passed a law now that high school kids can get paid for NIL in Georgia. One being Juju Lewis recruit for USC, which is a whole nother conversation. Um, but so that's the new kind of look of when you start promising NIL, is it early on in these kids when they're the 25, 26 class? And when, when does that become tampering? When does that become illegal? Or do you wait and then you're kind of the last of the table, but you're doing it legally when they're actually graduating college ready for their recruitment process. But then they've already been getting paid this whole time from a Texas. I'm just throwing teams out, Texas, Georgia, Tennessee, probably, which was the Nico, uh, you know, coming from SoCal and there's, you know, thoughts of maybe him getting paid in high school. So it's a really weird, you know, I'm glad SC to what we know has not done that, but obviously they need to be forward thinking in how they attack that when it does become either legal or how they get around certain ways of that. The other part of it is, and this isn't even in IL, I think there's, and this is just my opinion, this has nothing to do with the USC, but in recruiting kids now, I think there's kind of like three buckets. And if you can hit all three for as a recruit, then obviously you've hit the, you know, you've hit the home run, but there's the, the money aspect of it. There's the winning a college national title aspect of it. And there's the, who's going to prepare me the most for the NFL. So I think SC is is still building the the money aspect. They're not quite there yet. They're better than other schools for sure. I mean, we're not saying that they're like bottom tier NIL program, but they're building. When it comes to winning a national title, obviously based on last year, they're not close, but we think they're improving in the right direction to go there. And on the third bucket, when it's preparing for the NFL, based on everything we've said over the past few months, and especially at the beginning of the show, when you look at the staff now and you look at specifically – not even getting to Lincoln Riley with quarterbacks. When you look at Eric Henderson, like these are coaches that when a kid meets with them and they say, man, this guy played for the Bengals, coached Aaron Donald, this guy coached all these pro athletes and going down the list, then you can at least cross that Beckett off as, okay, I can go here and I can get to the next level almost a hundred percent because of what the coaching I'm getting. So USC's checking those boxes. Now, if they can just obviously get back to winning ways, and then get to NIL where it needs to be, then they'll really be a powerhouse. So a lot of work to be done, but I think they're at least making strides. And on the coaching aspect, preparation for the NFL, they've certainly, you know, at least on paper so far in this offseason, have made their mark. Yeah. The one thing that scares me about the NIL is the fact that Rick Caruso is so heavily involved in it. And the only thing that – the reason why I say it's worried is because 
it could get shaky political wise. And then let's just say, uh, let's just say some corruption stuff starts to happen and they start tracing in the books. And then all of a sudden the books go back to USC. And then now you got the NCAA involved. Like that's the only thing, like, I don't mind him being involved and I'm glad he is involved, but Jen needs to have a conversation with him. Like, look, you need to do this on the straight and narrow and do this the right way because we don't want anybody in our business and we want to do this as clean as we could possibly do it. You know, like you said, Jamal, NCAA loves to sink their teeth into the USC. Like, and that you get corruption from political figures involved now. NCAA would just be sitting at the buffet table with a with a, a bib on and a knife and a fork, just ready to just come and get us. So that's that's the little thing that does worry me about that. What do you think about that, Nico? Yeah, and I actually I took down some notes um, before the show, and and you basically hit it on on the head of what I was my interpretation of it was is that in Rick Caruso's part, it is good to have him, but NAL is extremely political, and there's a lot of unknowns and gray areas, which is why we're seeing so many schools get punished uh, for offering things that they may or may not know, have known that was illegal or not. Um, But yes, the NCAA, if they could decapitate USC, if they had the opportunity, they would. So that's why I do like Jen, Jen Cohen, though, as the AD. I think she is has a prowess to put everybody in the proper positions um, to make sure that we don't overstep. Uh, and I also think, naturally, Lincoln Riley, um, he, he's a little bit uh, softer spoken. I think he's very he, – he's, he's kind of dealing with it in a, in a nonchalant way. He doesn't talk about it a lot. Um, he doesn't post on Twitter a lot. He doesn't promote it a lot. Um, everything is really done in-house uh, at the collectives, um, personally, with players, with alumni. So I think that's the best way to go about it. What do you think about that, Matt, man? Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think uh, it's going to be – I really like sort of both Nico and Ryan's point about kind of the three vectors of, of what players are looking for. And, Ryan, I don't know if we're in a cynical state of college football right now moving forward just with these tectonic shifts – but I don't know if those three buckets are all equal. I don't know if it's a 33, 33, 33. And I think that it's more probably like, you know, 45, 45, 10 when it comes to getting paid, getting playing time and development, and then winning a national championship. And so it really feels like those are kind of the, the two big pillars. So to your point, I think the coaching staff is set up for success of saying, hey, we, we can provide the ultimate classroom for the NFL and you've got that box. If the NIL can come along, now you've got this two headed monster where you're really set up for success where right now it's one out of two. And I think it it is a very valid point about at what point can you engage at what point are interactions, transactions at what point are they contracts? And so I think that's going to be really interesting to move forward. And, and Fred, I think you hit it best with, with Rick Caruso. He's obviously the most, one of the, the most powerful, if not the most powerful USC alum. Certainly him and Benioff are the two wealthiest USC alums. Uh, but also, he's also got political aspirations himself. Is there going to be another mayoral run? Is there going to be something higher? You know, is he going to run for senator? And so he's also got to be careful where you don't want to necessarily be in a compromising situation for his own self-interest. So it's just really fascinating 
all of these variables are at play and coming together at the same time. So here's a rebuttal I do have about what are the buckets and the national championship aspect of the bucket. And um, I remember we talked about this a while ago, Jamal, with the new format of college football. And then you referenced it when I was when I, when I pretty much said, like, college football is one of those unique things to where every team's not going to win a national championship every year. And now with the new format. And then you say, you know what you're referencing? You're referencing the basketball tournament, right? right. So I think we're heading to a, a, a place to where making the final four makes you a, a powerhouse. You know what I mean? Like there might be a class that comes through all four years and always makes it to the final four and always falls short. But that was a great football program. You know what I mean? And that was a great team that came through. Like they just couldn't quite get it. The Yukons of the world, Syracuse's of the world, like in terms of basketball. And then there might be a class that come through and gets that one national championship and then only make it to eight or not even make it past 12, but they're still considered a top program. You know, like I think that bucket might even be lower. It might be 5% now. And now you put a little bit more of that into money and preparation for the NFL. Who could get me drafted? In reality, when we went, uh, here was the talk in the locker room. I want to play. I want to get drafted. <laughs> how soon can I get out of SE and how soon can I get drafted? Right. Like, and then, and I think those are the main concerns. And I think the national championship, not anytime soon, but I think as soon, sooner or later, the national championship is kind of going like the basketball national championship. Like, Oh, they won. But next year Duke is still number one, even though they got eliminated in the first round. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So I think Ryan, just in that case, not right now, I'm not saying right now, right now, that bucket is still kind of full. But that bucket is going to deplenish a little bit as time goes on with this new format. Because you never know. The NCAA might add four more teams. Now we're at 16. And then next thing you know, it's like one double A where you got 32 teams and a football playoff. And there's really no, no, you know, no, just nothing to it. You're just there. Right. Like, here's a good example. North Dakota State. They're still considered Division One double A powerhouse. But South Dakota State still won back to back national championships. But nobody's talking about them. You know what I mean? Like, we still know the Bison in North Dakota State. So I think that's right. I'll say this for 10 seconds, just tongue in cheek. Don't you put, don't you turn the Coliseum into the Galen Center, okay? You know, the no, Galen Center has that. a bunch of Sweet 16 and Round of 32 <laughs> banners up there. Don't you turn the Coliseum into that now. It's just Heisman's and Natties, okay? I, I understand. <laughs> I understand. I get it. I understand that. But, Ryan, what, what do you think about that on that, on, on that, on that, uh, just to rebut off that one? No, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think uh, what I was and referring to both, but what I was more saying is like the way how you recruit based on what kids are looking for. And I think it will diminish the amount of kids. But like you think of like a Miller Moss, like Miller Moss, from everything we've heard, like his goal is to be a USC Trojan and to win a national championship mm-hmm. at USC. Mm-hmm. And obviously if he gets money, if he gets developed to go to the NFL, that's a bonus, but that's like his. So when you look at the recruiting trail, there's certain kids and, you know, Lincoln Riley has said this in different ways. Like we're looking for the right kids. We're looking for this. Every coach says that, of course, but there's going to be the, the top dogs that no matter what, you're going to have to pay them. And that's going to be something they want, but there's going to be those kids that like they want to be developed. And there's going to be those kids like, Hey, I probably not ever going to go to the NFL. I'm not going to get a big NIL. I want to be a Trojan and compete for titles. And so there's just different buckets in that, but I totally agree with everything you guys are saying that definitely the, the um, importance of a natty is probably 
dropping down more and more and more as we talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think one thing I'd add on to that is, I mean, when you're talking to the cream of the crop players, they want to win national championships. I mean, let's just kind of drive. They want to play for programs that are competing for national championships every year. But what I think is most important to recruits is like, if you hone in on Eric Henderson's skills and recruiting, he's going to be able to go into a 17 or 18 year old kid's house and talk to the parents and say, Hey, Kobe Turner, I think he's going to win the defensive uh, lineman of the year in the NFL. He should. Uh, I, I coach Kobe Turner. Um, Aaron is is my good friend. I put him in a freaking USC shirt uh, last week. So if you want to, your kid to be developed and have the opportunity to earn NIL and play at USC, this is how we do it. You know, we're, we're not going to be a – I don't want to throw names out there, but at Texas A&M – oh, here's a million dollars coming to play. Oh, wait, never mind. The entire class is gone because Jimbo Fisher got fired. That That's not what USC should be. And I don't think anybody at USC wants that. So NIL should be used as a tool and it should be used properly. It should not be the driving force. And I think that is what Lincoln Riley and, and Jen Cohen are trying to achieve with it. In reality, all they have to do is just put the recruits out in the pregame and just listen to the number one battle cry in the land. That's really a siren call. That's what calls you in. Once you hear that, whoop, whoop, that's what calls you in. Like, oh, yeah. man, I want to be a Trojan. It's a siren. That's all it really is. Yeah. Go ahead, I'll, Jamal. I'll call out. Oh, oh, yeah. go, no, go. Nico, please. please. Nico, go, go ahead. Me. Sorry. Yeah, that's one thing. You mentioned the USC atmosphere. Uh, the Coliseum, and I'm sure all you guys can remember, it was a packed house back in the day. I mean, 90,000 people every single game. And I mean, we were, when we had the kickoffs, everybody was screaming, oh, and you kick up, like we had our rituals. Now, the first couple of weeks that uh, you go to our USC game, there's some, there's some kids taking selfies of themselves. People are screaming the YMCA while <laughs> Brendan Rice is going for 50 yards down the, down in the end zone. So I mean, I don't want to go overboard on it, but I think winning and getting people back to the Coliseum and having recruits be in a Coliseum where there's 77,500 people screaming and watching intently every game, because frankly, that's what they see at Georgia. That's what they see at Florida, even if they're winning four or five games a year. That's what USC has to get back to, too. No, Nico, you said it best. And Coach has been saying this for a long time of getting back to the rituals mm -hmm. and the essence. And you, you hit it best, obviously, the kickoff. I mean, you know, this is a G-rated, but, you know, the chanting of, you know, beep, 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 you know, mm -hmm. when it was yeah. fourth down, uh, you know, all of those things were was huge. There was an electric atmosphere to the bell. Don't forget the, the bell. The bell. Yeah. Now, you know, we're at a dance club out here with the DJ. And don't yeah. get me started about the DJ. You know, that's going to be a whole other show. Don't get me started about the DJ. Yeah. The, okay. the last game. But, uh, with the, yeah. 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 He did. I'll also, I'll also say something funny here. It, it's, it's ironic that we're all talking about different things of the past and also about nil and we keep saying we we don't want to mention any names but somehow texas a&m is always the first name <laughs> we all say <laughs> so. I, I mean, we definitely don't need i think they're called the yell boys we we definitely don't need that to, to hype up the crowd we just we got to get back to to just the natural usc we're showing up, we're going to kick your butt, and we're going to win by 30, and we're going to scream and, and drink beer and have fun at the same time. So that's yeah, what we need to get back to. I yep. still think we need a dope L.A. walkout song. I know that would be new, but I still think we need that. Just See, like, well, it used yeah. to be Eminem. I mean, yeah, you know, in the Pete days. They played it last season a couple times, but they didn't yeah. play it every game. But 
I mean, that, that hyped me up when I was a, I was an eight year old kid. I weighed 95 pounds soaking wet and I'm listening to Eminem rap and I I'm looking at the USC athletes. I mean, it made me want to put a helmet on. So, I mean, it, I, I miss those days and I think we're headed back there. It's not bad to do a new song, Ryan. It's just like, there's things that matter to USC. And I, I know you guys heard me say this multiple times, but I, I, there's things that matter. Bring the white socks back. Bring the white shoelaces back. Bring the bell back. You know what I mean? Like, bring the kickoff back. Like, there's a lot of things that matter, like the the shaking of the keys when it's a blowout. They don't do that anymore. The hurry up and leave. They don't do that anymore. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, you know, there's a lot of things that matter that made the Coliseum the Coliseum. And I think they went away from it. And I think they lost it in all the transitions now they can get it back and i remember a lot of people thought i was crazy but they could use pete to get this back not necessarily bring pete on campus use him as a consultant but the same thing that they did with john mckay i don't know if it was john mckay or john robinson whatever the same thing they did with that coach when they went out to the desert and they had to told them the history of usc like they could bring it back and it could be done like certain th- little things matter and there's 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 alumni who are 70 to 90 years old who show up to every game and that are pissed off about that. Mm-hmm. Like, keep them happy because you keep them happy. They'll write a check for fifteen hundred dollars. You know, <laughs> like there you go. There's your NIL money. But you're like, why do they have white socks on and things like that? So my uncle went to SC and played at SC and he's like he's all upset because he's like, I just don't understand why they don't have the white shoestrings. And I was like, I don't, I don't know either. Like we had to do the white shoestrings. She's like, they need to bring the socks and the shoestrings back. Like that was a, that was an SC thing. It's not about the name on your back. It's about the logo on the front of your Jersey. And so, you know, little things matter and they have to figure out. It's interesting out- coach, you know, there's, and, and we'll, we'll get off of this topic. Yeah. I'll, I'll say it in 15 seconds here, <laughs> but there are certain programs and teams that have a rich history. And certain programs that don't. And for the former, the whole idea is to bring all of those great rituals along as you sort of go to different eras, because that's the way to have identity. That's the way to have advantage, right? And what's USC football? USC football's pedigree, right? It's the history on the West Coast that really nobody else on the West Coast has. So you want to mm-hmm. bring those things along. When you're a franchise that doesn't have the, the history or the pedigree, that's when you want to change everything. And, I, and we actually have two teams in L.A. right now who are both kind of getting it wrong from different angles. USC is not using enough of their history, and the Chargers are not turning over enough of their history. I think the biggest <laughs> problem with the Chargers is that they got to change their name. The, the Chargers' problem is that they are the Chargers, and they haven't sort of moved forward as a new franchise. And so that's neither here nor there, but I think there's an interesting juxtaposition in L.A. football. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Nico, we had you here long enough, uh, but we didn't ask you this question. We have to ask all of our guests this question. What is your favorite moment, before we wrap it up, what is your favorite moment at USC? Uh, during a football game? Yeah. I think I think it was Texas when we when we rehosted Texas. Um, and who, who was the, the kicker? It wasn't Bormeister. Um, man, I forget his name, but he kicked a 47. I remember to this day, he kicked a 47 yard walk off field goal and we won. And the Coliseum just was jumping. Um, and so that, I mean, that was the first time we played him since uh, the national championship game. And Vince Young ran in the corner of the end zone and scored on us and 
walked off the field. So, I mean, that was during the Clay Helton era when I thought, oh, my God, USC could be back. <laughs> and then, obviously, we weren't. <laughs> so, But that, that game, that, that was uh, some fond memories. Yeah, that, that's a good one. I got another good memory, Jamal. You ready for this one? Sure. The 2001 Rose Bowl. I think that's the one they split when they played Michigan. So 2004. Four. Yeah. 2004 Rose Bowl. 2004 Rose Bowl, one particular play. The original Philly special when Matt Liner was running up the sideline. Mike Will throwing him the ball. Yeah. It pisses me off. Everybody gets so excited. They're like, oh, the Philly special, Philly special. I'm like, did not not anybody see Matt Liner run a six (laughs) six something flat to the end zone? Like, this has been done before. Like, I bet Norm Child's going crazy, but neither here nor there. Nico, man, we appreciate you. We love all we love all our fans. We love we love SC fans. Like I tell everybody who comes to visit, we're a big family. We love you guys. We love collaborating with you. If you're a Trojan, we're all the same family. There's no me. There's all us. Trojan for life. Whether you got a degree from there or not, you're an honorary Trojan like Ryan, honorary Trojan like Lico. We love all you guys. As long as you believe Cardinal and Gold, man. I appreciate you. Uh Jamal, Ryan. Hopefully no big news breaks and we can finally get into the quarterbacks on Tuesday, the cornerbacks on Tuesday. So <laughs> that'll be fun. Nico, thanks you again for having me. You guys, thanks for watching. You guys know where it is. It's the Battle Line Solution Troy Podcast. Live free, fight on.